Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Frenchie is here. We are going to depressingly discuss the state of Formula One tonight, or today, depending on what time you listen to it. And thank you to our friends at Java House for their continued support. We've got five locations around Indy. Next week, I'll actually be recording at one, probably our IndyCar, IndyCar episode, Tuesday afternoon, and then... If you can't get to one of their stores, you don't live in Indy, or you just don't want you don't like people and you don't want to be outside, uh, please go to javahouse.com and use promo code pitlane10. So with that, all you're not telling people which Java House you're going to be at, so they can come and like surround yeah, you. Yeah, no, no. Cody would with, Cody would show up adulation. in his like UPS outfit and and like harass me for a little bit. I don't really want that. So. Before we start, I, I do have to admit, I I forgot to set my grivel, grid rival lineup last. Oh, I saw yeah. that. Yeah, I did. The last the last I, couple weekends have just been like so busy with things going on, and I don't think it helps that like honestly, Formula One since the summer break has come back has outside of one race I forget what it was has been rather dreadful so it's just you know not on the the not the first thing on my mind so yeah and and the the app usually gives you like a a warning like your lineup is incomplete and the app didn't give me a warning so uh you know maybe i should blame grid rival i'm not going to do that it's my fault you're still only in 20 seconds it's not like you didn't drop that no no i didn't drop too far but you know whatever i'm out of the top 10 right now i'm in 11th I had not a very good week. Uh, I I had no guys on my team other than Williams as a constructor, so <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much the worst you could yep. possibly do. Yep. So what do we... wait? Did we make predictions? No, no we, we didn't, didn't have an episode. We didn't yeah, which is probably a good thing because yeah. all right, on it, on a, <laughs> like I might spend. I might be like the cranky old man yelling at the clouds this week, and that's okay. I'm sure you have plenty to say too, but. I so I watched the first ten 
15 laps of the race live. Then the Colts were on, and we were at Sam's house, so you know I put the Colts on. And I have to say, it was awful. And then I watched the replay of the rest of the race when I got home Sunday night. I, I didn't... Like, I could have not watched the rest of the race and learned just as much. Yeah, almost nothing changed. Yeah. So. After the start, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's just, and I think part of it is, like, we were, and I've probably said this before, we were spoiled the last two years. Like, COVID year and 2021 were a lot of fun, almost from the start of the year every year. And this year it was, like, the first three or four races, and then Ferrari spontaneously combusting on itself has probably single-handedly ruined the season because now they... And I don't know if they're this, at this point they're just like, screw it, let's focus on 2023, especially with the Red Bull reduction in testing, they might actually have an advantage. I say that now full well knowing they will find a way to screw it up next year as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we had kind of a tease at the beginning of the season that it looked like it was going to be a battle like we had yep. last year but this time ferrari was going to be in the battle which was like recalling days of old we were super excited about it and then like you said nothing happened also did you forget trivia at the beginning? I, I did we will we will go hold on i have to pull it up on my phone and i honestly have the flyers game on my phone as we as we record this <laughs> You're the ultimate multitasker. <laughs> what a behind-the-scenes look, yeah, everyone. Uh, right now, I am texting, watching the Flyers game, and recording at the same time. And it, 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 nope, I can't, I can't multitask that much. Okay, the trivia question is, hold on, I have to pull up the answer because it's on two separate pages here. It's not a long question. And thank you because we get we have two questions from non Cody people. So I will oh, wow. I will do one this week. I will save the other for next week. And hold on, I'm just pulling up my uh, my sheet here. Give me one second. Oh, I probably help if I pulled up the Right. I'm looking at IndyCar data right now because I clicked on the wrong button. This is what happens when you're Oops. just not prepared, like in the slightest. Okay. In 1958, who won the F1 championship? <laughs> oh, this one, I actually know that. Um, in 58, it was Mike Hawthorne. All right. Well done. Hate you. Thank and he won it for a Ferrari, correct? I, I don't. I believe don't he beat Sterling Moss by like a point, and Sterling Moss had... There was some, I, I, this season, something happened that year. I have to go back and read it. But, like, Mike Hawthorne was disqualified or something from a race yeah. or got a penalty. And Sterling Moss, like, argued for him to get the penalty back. And then it ended up costing him the championship. <laughs> the only thing I can see here is Sterling Moss was second. And... How close? Like, it was so, really close, right? Granted, now I'm on Wikipedia, and the points are... It says forty-two for Hawthorne, forty-one for Sterling Moss. But then, in, in, yeah, one but point. in parentheses, it says Hawthorne had forty-nine points, not forty-two. So I don't know what that forty-nine means. Um, like, I, I see that a lot in yeah. the old ones, and I wonder. I think I think they only counted a certain number of your 
okay. results at the end of the season. Like you got a certain number of points, but then your top whatever eight counted or something like that. I don't I don't know for yeah. sure, but it was a weird structure. Anyway, like thank you, Shelby, for submitting a qu- the question. And thank you, Shelby, for putting up with me on a daily basis for giving me life advice and whatever else goes on in the world of communication. On that note, what else do we have to talk about? We've got a lot of news, but I guess let's just kind of put a bow on Mexico real quick by talking about the very few incidents that probably warrant discussion. And I would say, what's the first thing that we should talk about? Probably is the Lance Stroll and Pierre Gasly incident that has Pierre like close to getting banned for one race because he's got so many penalty points. What'd you think of that incident? I think Pierre is pressing. As you can see, I'm I'm putting my phone back up on, on my laptop stand so I can continue to watch the game while we record here. For those wondering, as of recording minutes seven and minutes and 45 seconds, there is no score in the game. And I, I think Pierre is pressing. You can tell the the car sucks this year. I mean, you and I said it early this year, and people were like, no, they'll turn it around, and they haven't turned anything around all, all year. I think, you know, he, he knows he's going somewhere better, so maybe he's kind of, uh, I don't maybe not better, but at least he's got a better chance. And, and yeah, I don't think it was, like, the worst thing ever. I don't think it was deliberate, but I think it was, like, a I don't know, maybe one of those error in judgment moments. Yeah, I mean, to me, it looked like something that Lance Stroll would do to other people. So I I wasn't that, like, upset about it. But... Yeah. yeah well, it wasn't, like, oh, my God, you know, suspend him. He's the worst driver ever, or that was just an idiotic move. It was just... It wasn't the best. Yeah. No, and I think I mean he got the five second penalty, so I get that, and I guess it comes along with a penalty point. It's just unfortunate because he had at Texas, which we didn't really get to review, a uh, penalty for dropping back under the safety car. He's just had a lot of weird little things happen to him that you know have brought him to this point, and I don't think he deserves to be suspended because. If you have a ti- you know tiny little like death of a thousand cuts, like all these little issues, it doesn't really add up to like the one egregious issue that should get you banned for a race. Yeah, this this isn't like I don't know what an equivalent would be. You know, this this isn't blocking or you know, making a dangerous move on the track. These are just a lot of screw ups and like yeah, it, it cost him. But I don't think a race ban after penalty points is worthy in in this case and so the next move which i do think is completely on one party was the daniel ricardo and yuki sonoda incident where that's not a corner that you pass i don't know what ricardo was thinking he just got impatient i guess and somehow he survived that incident and actually was able to overcome his 10 second penalty to finish in the points ahead of lando yeah that was I mean, that was probably his best drive of the year, notwithstanding the, the penalty part of it. But, yeah, I I got nothing on that one. It was bad. It was ugly. And you're going, oh, no, he's trying to force it again when he, you know, he's he's clearly pressing. 
but he he made it work. I mean, he got the penalty, and then he was like, eh, "Screw it, let's let's just keep going." And and he had a great race after that. So I yeah, fault him for the move, but he had a good showing. So I mean, he would be my my driver of the day. That brings up an issue that I've heard kind of swirling around: is that do you think that the problem with these penalties is somebody could basically say? screw it, I'm going to take the penalty, sacrifice that, because I'll actually end up gaining more time by passing this guy. Like, I'm just going to dump him. And then it takes, like, it was taking me too long to get around, and I'm so much faster that I'll just dump him, take the 5 to 10 second penalty, and still beat him. I mean, maybe to a degree, but, I mean, you know, this isn't NASCAR, or, you know, this isn't stock car, where you can, you know, dump stump somebody Ty Gibbs style and get completely away with it you know it's a you know if you and then compare yourself to like a major right like i'm not gonna go you know i'm not gonna get done this podcast episode and compare myself to moses at the end of it so so he parted the seas yeah i didn't really know where to go with that one but if if you intentionally wreck somebody in an f1 race to there there is a much higher likelihood that you were going to screw yourself over, whether it be a wing change, a flat tire, a DNF, all of the above. Is it uh, a foregone conclusion? No. You know, things happen. We saw Mazepin pull some crazy blocks, and he survived all of the, the blocking attempts. He didn't survive much else. But So I don't think... Thank God he Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the thought process, only because... Most of these guys know, yeah, it it can ruin your race by do- it can ruin your race by doing something like that. Fair, okay. I mean, I see kind of from both sides because when you're in Daniel's position, you have nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, right. Like your performance has been so awful that, hey, I'd risk just like dumping someone off the track to see if I can get points if I wasn't able to get around him, and it didn't seem like there was much. I mean, all the passing pretty much was happening down the the front straight into turn one. So if you weren't able to get around under DRS, which he was multiple times around other people. Um, but if he felt he was losing too much time, Hey, I don't think he did it on purpose necessarily, yeah. but you know, just a, a strategy consideration that I wouldn't put past people. Yeah, that's, that's final. Fair. Yeah. No final thing I wanted to talk about, I guess is Fernando's bad luck. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's that's I don't understand. Well, what's that's going on. karma for like throwing everybody under the bus. Like he, Car- Fernand- Fred is just like you know that whole like Lewis and Max comment, which I'm doing. okay. Oh yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to that. Fred's just saying yeah. whatever he wants. He doesn't care who he annoys, and I appreciate that. But and, you know, and then he joins Aston Martin, which still doesn't make any sense. And I think karma is just out to get him right now. Yeah, I mean. He just seems to have sometimes the dark cloud following him around, or at least that's the way he likes to paint it. I do feel like he's had a lot of engine failures, but I don't know. I mean, they're kind of random, right? So can't blame the team necessarily for that. But it is kind of ironic that it's all happening to him after he totally screwed Alpine. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, Ocon's been okay. It's not like he's had an amazing run lately, but he's been all right. And all the bad luck seems to have fallen on Fred. No, I mean, Fernando, I think, is like outclassing 
Esteban by a lot in terms of his driving performances on the yes. day. But then he ends up in these issues. Is that like Esteban seems to pretty much keep it clean, which has been good. Like he doesn't overstress the car, he doesn't overdrive it. Whereas Fernando, I think, knows one speed and that's flat out. And so sometimes that works for him, and other times it's definitely, you know, he has that incident with Lance Stroll, the crazy one at Austin, or you know, just stuff like that that ends up kind of ruining his races because he's trying yeah. too hard. Fair. But so that ended up bringing the battle between McLaren and Alpine pretty close because McLaren got double points and Alpine did not. I have to pull it up, but I, they're within just like single digit points right now. I don't know if I could pick who's going to win that battle for fourth in the Constructors' Championship. I will say Alpine. Okay. I think they're they're going to hang on. McLaren had a good weekend, but it's not like they've had a great year, all things considered. So I think I think Alpine will hang in there. Yeah, okay. So just for some perspective, Alpine is ahead by uh, seven points, it looks like. They have 153, and then McLaren has... 146 but the gap between mercedes and alpine is staggering it is mercedes is on 447 points so like one two three they're like up in the i mean well red bull has 696 which is nuts um but mercedes only 40 points behind ferrari and then you've got like a another massive gap to alpine it's it's just crazy how the hierarchy yeah, worked. and we can take a look at it when the season ends soon. But I feel this is going to be a, a weird comparison, but there's there's a lot of bad F1 teams the second half of this year. Like Haas has been garbage. Williams has been garbage. Alfa Romeo has been hot garbage. Aston <laughs> yep. Martin's been garbage. McLaren has been disappointing. Am, am I missing another? Alpha Tower has been garbage. It's like all... Ferrari's been pretty bad. Yeah, but at least they have they're in that top area of points. But like the bottom the bottom five teams in F one this year have been massively terrible. Or at least massively disappointing for some of them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean Alpha Tauri is currently ninth. Like Haas has one point on them in the constructors Good championship. Lord. Yeah. That's, that's embarrassing. I'm sure Nick DeVries is, is happy that he signed that contract. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So speaking of uh, driver signings, I know I just had to kind of bring this up because I wanted to see your reaction on the podcast. I think we've already talked about it, but Stoffel Van Dorn, the uh, current Formula E champion who won the season of Formula E with just one race win. So he matched, I think it was, I sent you, what is that graphic? Like Keki Rosberg and someone from yeah, the 50s. Yeah. Uh, I might I have think, my I think I was going to say um, that and then I, I was second guessing myself. So to win one race for like an FIA championship. Yeah. I guess Will Power also, but that's not FIA. Um, he is now joining Aston Martin in a test and reserve role. Do you understand this move nope. at all? He's connected with Mercedes, or I guess... Not anymore with Mercedes in uh, Formula E. He just joined the, what is it, DS Penske? I, have I think no it idea. is. I'm pretty sure yeah. if I'm following correctly, that's who he's joined. So I guess that maybe that makes sense because he's no longer on Mercedes roster, that he's just joining another F1 team. But 
I don't I don't really understand. Uh, yeah. Is there some concern that like Drogovic doesn't have enough super license points in the end? Like that's the only only I thought he was a F2 champion. I, I don't know. It's a super license. Leave me alone. Uh <laughs> I, I don't know. And I really I don't I think Stoffel was an F2 champion at one point. Yeah, like 25 years, years ago, ago probably at this point. Yeah, before he was in F1 for that one season with Fernando. Oh right? yeah, the GP2 car. Right. Yeah, I don't I don't So maybe they they'll be reunited. I actually saw Fernando had like he he put like 50 clap emojis in response to like the Stoffel announcement. So maybe they're bros. I this makes no sense to me. Yeah, this just kind of came out of nowhere. Is why I wanted to bring it up. Um, I know Stoffel has a, a large following, but he, why? he's not. Um, why? <laughs> yeah, as you can see, he's not. He's not Mike's favorite driver. Um, okay, so let's talk about the Hamilton and Alonso. Um, I don't even know what to call that. Like real housewives of oh, f1 God. style drama that's pretty good <laughs> real 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 race drivers of f1 i don't even know it's like true just like caddy drama that real is really housewives of f1 is like such a good <laughs> title for a the episode this week and b all the unnecessary bullshit that has spewed out of the f1 world in the last 12 months I feel like someone's going to take offense and say that I'm being sexist, but I'm not. I'm not. The, yeah. So. Continue. You're good. I'm, I'm just comparing it to one yeah. of those shows that has like. Unnecessary screaming. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So he said something. Alonzo started this basically by saying. Okay. He was being interviewed by a Dutch newspaper. So you have to think about the context, right? When he's talking, being asked about Lewis Hamilton by a Dutch newspaper who I'm sure has certain feelings sure, about Lewis sure. Hamilton given Max Verstappen's nationality. Um, Alonzo said something basically about like the value of Lewis's F1 titles were not as good because all he had to do was fight his teammate and that Max's were more valuable because he had to fight them against other drivers from other teams. I mean, I get it, but also, like, 2018, Vettel was very close. I'm sure there were other Vettel-Ferrari years that were at least competently challenging to Mercedes. And, yeah, I mean, Red Bull obviously kind of fell off there, but, I mean, like... Hey, 2002 and 2004, Schumacher, all he had to battle was Barrichello. Yeah, and I don't, you, no one discredits those championships. True. Yeah. I just think, like, you know, it, it happens when you have a truly dominant car. And I don't think that's Hamilton's fault. I, I think it's just, it is what it is. And it was a good battle. I don't, I don't know what it matters. You know, it, it, it happened. But have you ever wanted to know how to win a Formula One Grand Prix? I mean, really know. Know about the driver tactics from the cockpit, the strategy calls from the pit wall, and even the mind games in the paddock. 
There's a lot more that goes into winning a Grand Prix than just 90 minutes of racing. So every week on the F1 Strategy Report, we're taking a deep dive into the decisions that shape every result. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato, and every week I'm joined by an expert guest from the paddock to talk through the big calls that won the race and the missteps that resulted in bitter defeat. Before every race, we'll look back at the previous year's result and consult the current form guide, and we'll be in your feed after every Grand Prix, dissecting the outcome and what it means for the championship. So for your regular hit of Formula One analysis, subscribe to the F1 Strategy Report wherever you get your favourite podcasts. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast on the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you after the chequered flag. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. I also don't think he's like super far off either. Like I get it, but in there, there are some cases that prove his point wrong. So I just don't think it's as a big a deal as Fred seems to think it is. No, yeah, I agree. I think you could argue it both ways. Like, I mean, in 2016, when he was going up just against Nico Rosberg, that was an amazing battle that was basically just between the two of them. And I'd say, like, 1988 between Senna and Prost was amazing, and it was just the two of them. They won all but one race that season. But it was still incredible and down to the wire. So it could go that way, but then, unfortunately, Botas was extremely uncompetitive in many years. Kind of it was predestined almost at the beginning of each of those years that Hamilton was going to win. It was, there was almost no question. So I get what he's saying. I'm still not going to say that Lewis's championships don't mean anything um, because they do. And he's extremely talented, but Lewis's response was basically, I don't really have a lot to say about it. It does make me giggle a little bit, to be honest, but I have tried to be really respectful over the years. Um, and then he said, when he, whenever he's asked about who's the better driver, I've always tried to give praise. It's definitely interesting to see the comments that are made, but it doesn't really matter. So that's why I kind of just put my thumb up. Hmm. Fred, you're annoying. That's... Yeah, I, I saw this interesting video that I'll have to maybe send you. I have to find one that has subtitles on it, but it was a Spanish interview where they were asking Alonso about Hamilton. And he kind of starts talking about him again, too. Obviously, Hamilton is free. Alonso's Rent head. free. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So there's something. I mean, Alonso obviously wanted to kind of hype his, his two championships that he's won and make himself, you know, feel a little bit better that he's only won two compared to a seven-time winner. Speaking of Lewis Hamilton's uh, disappointing teammate, Valtteri Bottas, 
he is going to make his Race of Champions debut next cool. year. Uh, it, yeah, it'll be pretty interesting because I think he's teaming up with Mika Hakkinen for Team Finland. Okay, all right. So, yeah, it might be fun to watch. I probably won't watch it, but that's cool. <laughs> Fair. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, so Alonzo, in reaction to basically all that stuff that happened, said that everything was taken out of context and it was just a grab for headlines. Of course it was, always. I, that, that's okay, like whatever. the social media version of saying, I got hacked when you post something you shouldn't. But then he said something that I actually agree with and said um, that he wants to try and help make social media a better place by clearing up his comments. So he kind of like went after the fact and said something like, this is not what I meant. You took it out of context, which no one really believed him. But he then said, we need to stop putting the fans against each other. We're all in the same thing. Great champions, great sportsmen. And we try to enjoy this beautiful time. So I think this is actually a good point in that even though he was basically the catalyst for this whole thing of like people screaming at each other on Twitter, that F1 Twitter needs to clean itself up. And when the drivers are calling for it, when they actually notice, like, I don't think Fernando goes on Twitter that often. I'm sure he has people that do it for him. Yeah. But when even he knows how toxic it can be, then people need to get their act together. Yeah, it's... I, I pause because I don't... can't find the words to describe how... And I think that's part of the reason why... I am just a little frustrated with the F1 world in general is the races have been bad and F1 social media is such a toxic and draining place that there's no point in, you know, communicating with F1 fans around the world because you're just, you you say, Hey, I'm a fan of blah, blah, blah. And then you're going to get like railroaded for a month. And what's the fun in that? And now that like, Drivers are calling it out. You know it's really bad, and nothing's going to change. I can't see anything changing. I feel like I still feel pretty insulated from that because I think the people that listen to our show are not like that. Because, I mean, they're the ones that hear us say this kind of stuff all the time, and they hopefully agree with us. I think, I mean, I don't see people that I recognize saying crazy stuff on F1 Twitter. So I think we're probably preaching to the choir here. But, yeah, I think it's getting a little bit old and hopefully um, maybe the more time that passes between the crazy events of uh, Abu Dhabi 2021, people will finally get over it and move on. But related to that, Max Verstappen is boycotting Sky Sports because of Ted Kravitz comments about um, Lewis Hamilton being robbed. And it actually, when I watched his statement, like if I had just read his statement about boycotting them, I probably would have been like, wow, what a yeah. dick. But then when I actually watched the video, he was so calm about saying it. And I think he just said pretty much um, this year, it's been a constant kind of daily being disrespectful, especially one particular person. And it's enough. I don't accept it. You can't live in the past. You just have to move on. Social media is a very toxic place. And if you're constantly being like that on live TV, you only make it worse instead of trying to make it better. If you keep disrespecting me at one point, I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. That's why I stopped answering them. And he basically said it just kind of matter of factly like that. He didn't seem really like, angry. He wasn't like, I, I didn't seem like he was trying to be um, 
super dramatic and aggressive as I would have yeah. expected kind of reading those words out of context. And I have to say that I think I agree with him. I mean, the bias that Sky Sports has kind of shown is pretty, I would say, unprofessional for like a major global, you know, news network or I don't know, sports entertainment network to be covering. I mean, you're, they're allowed to have their own sure. opinions, but to kind of keep harping on it. What do you expect? I mean, the the thing I think I sent to you was Sky Sports needs Max more than Max needs 100%. Them. It's all about the ratings. And if you have Max fans around the world and now you've, you know, annoyed them by, you know, now Max isn't going to go on there, so they're not going to watch. And, I mean, every athlete in any sport has every right to decline interviews if they're allowed you know this isn't a marshawn lynch i'm just here so i don't get fined situation and if and if he, he does <laughs> even if it was yeah, max, max wouldn't, wouldn't care he has would, so much max money wouldn't say anything max would pull out like a wad of hundred dollar bills from his underwear and be like here you go <laughs> so <laughs> drop it on the floor and walk away like you yeah can pick that up. <laughs> i i didn't hate what ted kravitz said because i felt like it was directed no, more towards neither. like the FIA, which is still the worst-run organization in all of sports, maybe other than FIFA, which apparently is very poorly. <laughs> I was about to bring for, them up, which too. Which apparently is poorly run, too, but I'm not, I don't know enough about it to like speak on it. But So like, I didn't think it was that big of a deal on that front, but I also don't blame Max if he's, you know, it's it's every, every day, so it's... You know, Max stole the championship last year. Max didn't steal shit last year. He did what he was supposed to do on the track. Yeah, I'm not saying I like him. Christian Horner is annoying as hell. Max Verstappen yeah. is a spoiled baby. But he did what he was supposed to do on track last year. Agreed. So, I, I just the whole thing just needs to stop. The social media needs to stop. Commentators need to stop. Like, it, it was... At this point, 11 months ago, it might be almost 12 months ago, because I don't even remember when Abu Dhabi was last year. I think it was later in the year, so it's getting yeah. close, though. Oh, right, right, because the season was pushed back a little bit because of COVID last year. I've, I've yeah. already kind of blocked that part of my life out, out for, for many reasons. But it's just, it's so, it's again, it's just so exhausting I don't care what you think about 2021 anymore because it's not 2021. It's almost not even 2022 anymore. Yeah, two more things, I guess, related to that is the first is that we found out basically what Red Bull did to break the cost cap. And it sounded like a bunch of kind of ridiculous areas of spending. I mean, like they went over on catering and said it was like some misunderstanding about, oh, we didn't realize we could cater. And because it feeds like our whole company, we thought we could exclude it. it. It's just all seems like a bunch of kind of BS to me, but from both sides of like the FIA making up the rules of what you can and can't exclude and like either just make a cost cap, which encompasses everything and tell them this is the maximum you can spend. Or if you have it the way that you have it with a bunch of ways that people can squirm their way out of it, this is what's going to happen. So there was a whole bunch of that. But people blaming Max and saying his championship is invalid because of this. He doesn't know what the budget is. <laughs> he's paid to drive the car. He, he's not sitting in the accounting office. He's not a part of that. He's not? So, no, I, he doesn't own the team. So it's just like, you can't discredit him for just kind of driving what he's given and 
doing the job on track because I, I don't, I mean, his car wasn't illegal. That's not what they've said. So why would it invalidate his championship? I don't know. To me, that's just another way that people are being really petty. Yeah, I agree. And I'm sure people are going to say the same thing about him, you know, winning that record-breaking 14th victory in Mexico and breaking the Vettel and um, Michael Schumacher record for the most wins in a season. People are Some people are going to say that that deserves to have an asterisk next to it. Uh, I mean, I disagree. I think he's been extremely dominant this season. And as people who regularly listen to the show will know, neither of us are Max Verstappen apologists. So for me to say that means he must be doing a pretty damn impressive job on track for me to give him that much credit. I have nothing to argue there. All right. So we've got, I think, just a couple of things. Yeah, two more things that I want to talk about real quick. The first is apparently the F1 drivers were upset about the over-enthusiastic behavior of the fans in Mexico City. Uh, They were frustrated and calling for more respect for their personal space. I'm going to rant a little bit here because when you're paid as much as you are, you can take a moment to stop and like take a selfie with someone. Okay. Like other paddocks are so much more open that I think the F1 guys are extremely spoiled and have really no concept of what it's like to be around fans. They live in kind of this really protected bubble environment. And I guess any intrusion is viewed by them as like a distraction and unnecessary and something that they don't really want to do. But we have to give credit to Pato Award, IndyCar driver, for like going out there and mingling with the fans, showing them how it's done. On the other hand, what I've been hearing is that there are people who just get really grabby and touchy, which that's not going to help the cause of having more access to the F1 paddock. Yeah, I mean, two things, I think. One... Yeah, Pato, Pato hit the nail on the head there. I don't think the F1 will ever be more welcoming of a paddock because it's just the F1 way of the world. And also, stop grabbing drivers or stop getting right in their face when you want an autograph. Show, they're, they're just people. Like, I know they're famous, yeah. but they're just people. If you walk up and you're like, hey, can I have a selfie? Or can I have an autograph? Can you sign my baby? You know, whatever. Can you sign my something else you know that's that's okay but when you i'm pretty sure most of them do it too like most of them seem like good sports but when you cross that line in either direction like when a fan crosses that line or like when an athlete like gives you the finger and walks away like it sucks both ways (laughs) and like i saw some video the other week of like mike trout getting on the angels bus (laughs) and like ignoring some like eight-year-old kids mike trout doesn't owe those kids anything but those kids were also like nice and respectful they weren't. They were like ten feet away from him, and he just like completely ignored them. So I like. I kind of see both sides. Like they're not owed anything, but if you're yeah. nice enough, like you 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 are getting paid a lot of money to be an entertainer in some format. Mm-hmm. So just you know, stop for five seconds and make somebody's probably life because they might not be able to do this again at any point. So I see both sides. I do. Having been around the IndyCar paddock, it's very different, but. Also, I've seen some fans, like the ones that bring like an entire uh, little 
like an entire box of like diecast cars just to get signed in Indy every May. And then they like, th- there's one guy. I, it must be the same guy. I can't, I can't like prove it. He he gets a chair and he'll sit out some, in front of somebody's garage while they're on track during practice or whatever, and just sit there. Like, can you imagine? Like, you've just finished your practice session for the Indy 500. You have to debrief, and you know, here's some person just creepily sitting there waiting for you. Can I have an autograph? Like, yeah, that's a little annoying. I'm sure that there are some fans because of the way that the F1 fandom is right now with these people who are just like obsessed with it to a, probably an unhealthy degree, which I'm sure is contributing to that toxicity on social media. But it almost to me is like a Beatle mania where there's like these people just like screaming and fainting when an F1 driver walks by. And like trying to steal a lock of their hair and stuff. And so when it gets to that point, you're no longer like treating them as a human being. Like you said, you're being creepy and invading their personal space. And you can't really do that. So I I think if you want the F1 drivers to be more open and to continue to interact with fans, don't be a freak. Because then they're going to put these kind of lockdown back on the F1 paddock and no one's going to be allowed in. We're looking at you, Cody. And it's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the last thing, and I feel like we've been super negative about F1 lately. People are probably getting depressed listening to our show. We got to switch it up a little bit at some point. But I have one more thing that we're going to talk about, and it's not necessarily on a positive note. Um, apparently F1 is planning to abandon that lower tire blanket temperature for 2023. They were going to drop it from 70 degrees Celsius to 50 degrees Celsius. Uh, but I guess that's being reevaluated and is likely to be dropped. Do you have thoughts about this? Uh, not really. You know, I'm sure there's a reason, probably a stupid one. Probably like, well, you know, we put our (laughs) cheeseburgers on it too before the race and, and, you know, the ghost of Michael Massey rises when, when when cheeseburgers are grilled at a certain temperature on tire blankets. Okay, now that I've like started like the most ridiculous conspiracy theory ever, now it's fine. I mean, maybe the new tires, they're using new tires this year with the car, right? Yeah. Uh, well, they've been testing those, yeah, yeah. the other maybe, new ones. That's, that's what I meant. In practice maybe, as well. Maybe tire tests are showing something with the... Maybe tire tests are showing something that leads them to believe that they they shouldn't do that. I don't think it's a big deal, so it's yeah. it's fine. Oh, I was going to rant ahead. more about it. I think this is Pirelli being really lame. Like, get your act together, build a better tire, because uh, we can see in other series like IndyCar, they don't even use tire warmers. I mean, I know tire warmers have been around since like 1985 or something like that. But the fact that the drivers, I mean, Max said that he thinks that the move to like get rid of the tire blankets or to lower the temperature would lead to a lot of crashes. And Lando said, everyone's going to shunt their car at some point. Um, That shows you how bad the tire tech is, because if you need it like in a perfect, like warm, cozy temperature for it to be any good at all, shows me that it's, there's a problem there. There needs to be a wider operating window because I think it's way cooler when you have tires that you need to kind of warm up and get used to on track before you can just push 
right? So without that aid of the tire blanket, or I mean, this lowering of the temperature was going to be cool, because then it kind of separates the people who can find grip or build up to that grip better than others. And we're not even going to get the opportunity to see that because of Pirelli. That's fair. I respect that opinion. Well, let's wrap it up here. We've depressed people for the last 41 minutes about how much we hate the current state of F1. And honestly... No, I still love F1. I I hate the current state of F1. I blame the FIA. Yes, 100%. And all off... And Mohammed Ben Salayam. All off-season, I will blame him. (laughs) Even though there's a lot of... I will blame the FIA all off-season, talk about how dreadful the races were the second half of this year. And I am not going to back down because nobody from the FIA even cares anyway. So, <laughs> Brazil's, Brazil's in, two, in weeks. two weeks. Yippee. And uh, let's wrap it up, everybody. Have a lovely weekend. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased, and essential world news daily.